Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you are all having a great day so far and uh, taking a deep breath. What a year. What a year it keeps getting. I feel like every single week there's another layer that just gets peeled behind the onion of my own sort of psyche, my own being, and my own emotions. And I'm learning how to dance with them every single day. And this week's episode uh, with Nancy Levin is actually something that I have been wanting to talk about for a while, but just didn't have the right person until I met Nancy's wonderful self and realized that this was exactly what we were going to go down the rabbit hole on. So Nancy is a master coach and a best-selling author of several books, including her latest, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. She was the former event director at Hay House for over a decade and is also the creator of the Levin Life Coach Academy and offers incredible coaching and training programs designed to support clients and making themselves a priority. One of the really powerful things that we kind of talked about on this episode was the idea of slowing down, especially this year. You know, a lot of us, me included, had goals that I was ambitiously working towards in January of 2020, which got thrown out the window in a very unexpected way, obviously, with the pandemic and everything that comes with it, which has then created sort of a shift. You know, I'm not able to work on the same things I would be able to work on. I'm not as I'm not as able to travel and do conferences and do the things that I normally would have been doing to be on that go, go, go lifestyle. But now is a chance for me to slow down, take stock, reassess what's more important and create more intentional practices that can allow me to connect back with me. And this episode was really beautiful because one, the second Nancy and I started talking, I felt this beautiful, slow tempo with the way that she was sort of explaining the pause that she was on, the way she was explaining what it means to go from a million miles an hour to slowing down completely in her own life and how that relates to self-love, how that relates to boundaries and the role that they play in our lives. Then we went down a, this is what I love about the podcast. Like I never really know where we're going to start, right? Like within five minutes, I had an idea that I wanted to talk to Nancy about slowing down, but where this conversation went was just incredible. I mean, we went to talking about resentment, uh, why telling the truth takes less energy, understanding our relationship to security and safety, why the present moment is your crystal ball. I mean, there were so many beautiful things that Nancy allowed me to realize about myself on this episode. And I hope you guys enjoy all of the brilliance of this woman and all of the delight of this woman as you all realize and create your own practices to sink back into the moment, slow down, and make the most of this chaotic year. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes. All that means is that every single, or iTunes or Spotify or any of the apps, but all that means is that every single time we have a new episode come out, it drops straight into your inbox. If there was anything that Nancy or I said on this episode that struck a chord, reach out to us, leave a review. I read all of our reviews. I read every email. I read every social media comment, message, post. So please reach out. Let me know what's resonating. Let me know how the podcast is playing a role in your day. Uh, it means the world to me. So Anyways, guys, I'm so grateful for you and your attention. I am so grateful that you choose to listen to this podcast. And I'm so grateful to be going down the rabbit hole with the amazing Miss Nancy Levin. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded everyone tuning in is having a beyond grounded day i am so excited to be hanging out with my new friend miss nancy how are you nancy i'm great i'm so happy to be here with you 
I know. It's just, I, I feel so grateful to be with you, especially as you're sort of like rekindling this love I feel for the slowness in your life. Like you're really revisiting what it means to, to be slow and filling that slowness with like just the richness of things that you forgot to do or you weren't doing regularly. And, and I'd love to start there. You know, like, what does it feel like to go from a million miles an hour to slowing down completely? It definitely has been a bit of a process and a bit of an unhooking and really looking at the addictive nature of staying busy or staying, even if it's busy doing something I love, but just the addictive nature of just the go, go, go. And obviously, you know, the time we're in right now, pandemic, the great pause (laughs) has shifted a lot of things. Usually I'm the biggest change for me is being home because for the past two decades, I've been on the road so much for my work. Also, you know, being with family and it's really unusual to have this huge long stretch of just being at home. That has also enhanced the slowness because I've been able to sort of recalibrate and recalculate my time, which has been feeling really good. And before we came out, I was saying, you know, I've been really intentional about how I'm spending my days and how I'm spending time and making enough time to be able to be creative instead of just doing my business, but also being leaving space to write and to read and to do the things I love to do. I, I live in Boulder. I can hike out my door. So I do it almost every day. Meditating and journaling has been a long time practice of mine. And it's been for me, the grounding in this time too, to just the place that I can touch back to a touch point each day. So I'm real, I am appreciating the slowness. Why do we run from slow? I think that we stay in the fast lanes so that we don't have to really, it's the way we keep our blinders on or keep our head in the sand. It's the Mm. way that we don't have to put the attention on ourselves. We can keep the attention on other people or it's just an avoidance strategy. It's just another avoidance strategy so that we don't have to feel our deal. Mm, Feel our deal. I resonate (laughs) with that a lot right now. I mean, like I've been pretty good at distracting myself. And traditionally, like whether, and I'm going through a huge transition right now in my own life with like relationship ending and kind of like businesses unfolding and changing. And I found myself actually wanting to go fast, whether it's like start something new or do this thing or get involved there or keep this busyness going. But the slow is super uncomfortable. (laughs) That's why I'm curious because it's, you know, when you sit in it and you're allowing yourself the container to feel everything that's coming up. Mm There's a lot of newness in that too. And it can feel faster sometimes than, or more uncomfortable than sort of just being in a doing state. So how have you gotten over the years, I guess, gotten better at being versus doing? Because it feels like this was like a trans... Yeah. You know, you kind of transitioned. No, I love the question. It was a big transition, especially... So I was, you know, at the peak, I was the event director for Hay House Publishing. For 12 years, I was on the road like 200 plus days a year, producing all the live events around the world. And I was chasing all the gold stars, you know, wanting all the external validation, wanting to buy love in any way that I could. The truth is that when we're chasing gold stars like that, no amount of gold stars is ever going to fill the void because everything we're chasing externally needs to be resolved internally first. And so the big shift for me. The beautiful opportunity for the shift, the catalytic moment was really my marriage imploding. And so that was really the moment when I got to, when I started to be able to slow down, started to really take in the teachings of all the teachers I had been putting on stages around the world. And even though I had been gleaning things by osmosis, it wasn't until I was really in my dark night that I was letting teachings really land to be able to start making a change in my own life. That was about 10 years ago. It set me on the sort of trajectory of being able to consider myself first instead of considering everyone else's needs before mine. And that was a massive shift that 
is hand in hand for me with being able to slow down and being able to be because I had attached all my worth and value to what I did, what I achieved, what I produced, and to separate out my value and my worth from the external and actually to be able to know that I'm worthy and of value just by being me and not having to do anything at all was a profound moment in time for me. And so that really allowed me to start slowing down and ultimately allowed me to consider my job at Hay House was my dream job. I thought I would die there. I never in a million years thought I would leave until I recognized that I wanted something else. And then I really allowed myself to go after what I wanted. And then was, you know, along the way, able to really give myself permission to live life on my terms, to create it how I wanted to create it. It's interesting. The permission is almost like mm. like the first step, right? It's like <laughs> you give yourself the permission to receive all the lessons that you've been seeking, or yep. you give yourself the permission to be a human being versus a human doing, which seems so counterintuitive when you really think about it. And we get into this sort of rabbit hole, I feel, at least I feel like I have over the years of consistently thinking that the source of everything in my life is like, I forgot that, I forgot how getting high on your own supply feels. Because right. I feel like we forget to, we, we forget that we even have a supply worth getting high on. And it's, it's been something that I've really been exploring <laughs> over the last month and a half, two months, sort of examining what is the source of everything that's ever brought me joy. And is it something that if it was something that was externally sourced, is there something that I can receive in my heart? Or is there permission I can give myself to receive that can then break down the walls to filling that cup from something internal? I do think that, you know, that just that alone, what you're naming is, I think, a really foundational piece for finding meaning and fulfillment in our lives that we're not looking for the whole Jerry Maguire thing of, you know, you complete me, <laughs> you know, we're, we're yeah. really looking at, you know, how can I show up for myself? How can I fill my own cup? How can I resource? How can I nourish? How can I nurture myself so that I don't show up in a place of feeling deprived? How does self-love feel? How does self-love feel? For me, it's, it's something about, it's like the internal slowness. Like it's a soft heartbeat. Mm. It's a slow breath. There's something that's just kind of, it's like, there's, it's almost like when you breathe in and your breath is going to fill you out. You know, it's like your own breath is actually, is actually filling you. To me, that's what the self-love feels like. It's being able to feel the love. You know, I, always, I think about it like if I think about the person who I love most in the world, and if I think about directing my energy and love toward her, and then imagine that same love coming back into me. Like, can I give myself as much love as I, as I will send to the person I love most? Can, I, can mm. I give myself permission to actually receive that, that amount of my own love? Oh, that's so <laughs> delicious. <laughs> like, I like, I've been closing my eyes as you've been talking because I'm like, <laughs> I know, because it feels so good. It feels so good feels to so treat good. yourself like someone you love. And we can do it. Like, that's a practice that I have, and it's a practice that I do with my clients, but it's so easy. It's so easy just to sort of, you know, before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning, just to really, like, for one minute, presence in your mind's eye someone you love, send the love, and then allow it to like come back in. It's feeling the love you're giving. Mm -hmm. And by then, by like ricochet, you're actually getting- yeah, That's exactly it. it. too. So like you're kind of piercing the, you're cheat coding this whole thing yeah. by just treating yourself like someone you love. That's beautiful. I love, I love the idea of that because I even think about like my parents. I think about just, I have so many people in my life that were never taught to truly experience unconditional self-love. And I think unconditional love for others is a lot easier, especially mm -hmm. if you're a parent or if you, sure. you know, like it's just a lot easier to be unconditionally loving another person. But unconditional self-love, I think is just one of those birthrights that we forgot to teach somewhere along the way. It's one of those birthrights that we forgot to remember 
along the way, but it's, it's yeah. so attached to loving another. Like when you show compassion for another, you're showing compassion for yourself. It's all yeah. a mirror, right? It's all a mirror. And, you know, the truth is that we are our own harshest critics. You know, yeah. no one's going to be harder on us than we are on ourselves. And so we also have to conversely be willing to really, you know, stretch in, in the loving of ourselves more fiercely. Mm. What are the roles that boundaries play in all of this? Creating boundaries, sinking mm-hmm. into boundaries. I've always had a really weird relationship with boundaries. <laughs> Most people do. Like, I, I do because like, I feel like loving somebody fully and being there for them fully. If I'm not able to do that, then I'm not unconditionally loving. I'm putting a condition on the love I give somebody. And then I feel like I'm creating a boundary out of a place of lack as opposed to a place of love for myself. And then I get selfish Mm -hmm. and then I get all antsy in my head and then I just overanalyze it. And then I throw the boundary out and then I get mad at myself for throwing the boundary out. (laughs) Right. How do you help someone like me? (laughs) (laughs) So first what I'll say is I define boundaries as the limits that we set for ourselves around what we will or will not do accept or tolerate. So boundaries are very personal. Regardless of my boundary involving another person or not, my boundary will always first and foremost be between me and me. Mm. A few pieces here. First, I will say that the biggest myth about boundaries is that other people cross our boundaries. So we hear, I hear from clients all the time. I set a boundary, but he or she keeps crossing it. And the truth of the matter is that if we set a boundary, it's ours to maintain. So it's not anyone else's job to uphold, respect, or maintain our boundary. It's up to us. So if we set a boundary that we don't hold, we're crossing it. And we're really the little girl or little boy who cried wolf. So we want to really look at what is upholding the boundary that we're setting. And we also want to look at You know, most people relate to boundaries as being restrictive or constrictive, you know, some kind of restraining. And I really see boundaries as expansive. I see boundaries as the way that we can consciously choose and carefully curate what we actually want in our lives. So boundaries aren't just about keeping out, but they're also about ensuring what we have in. So hand in hand with setting boundaries and everything you just said is the question around, you know, are you willing to give yourself permission to consider yourself and your own needs at least as much as you consider everyone else's? You know, you just took something for me, the idea of keeping out versus ensuring Mm -hmm. in. Yep. That was super interesting for me because... Because I've always thought about boundaries as protecting mm-hmm. myself, but what am I actually protecting myself from? Like, what am I protecting? So in, if I stop it from being something that's externally sourced and I just say, what am I keeping in? Yeah. What am I valuing? That's What's right. important to me? How do I that's want right. to feel? And then design something around how I want to feel, then no one else actually matters. Am I looking at this right? Yeah, bingo. <laughs> that's badass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's empowering too. Cause it also then puts the ball back in your court to really get clear on how do you want to feel? And then that adds more weight and value to practices of self-love and giving yourself the permission to feel those things. And, and it, and it, it makes creates, them a priority. You know, yeah. that's really the piece too. How do I actually make myself and my needs my top priority? Which is crazy. Cause like, I feel like in 2020, especially 2020, like self-love has not been, it's not a luxury anymore. It's become a necessity. It's become like air and water and food. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. as important to design your life in a way to honor. And as I'm realizing, like self-love isn't even just the self-care aspect of things like, you know, like the the Mm -hmm. fun thing, but it's giving yourself that permission to feel and ensure the feelings you want to have on a day-to-day basis. That's it. That, I mean, it's true. So I, you know, you brought in selfishness earlier yeah. and I'm like on a crusade to reclaim selfishness, to take the stigma off of selfish, because I really do believe 
that selfish self-care and self-love are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. And especially for anyone listening who might identify as, you know, a people pleaser, a peacekeeper, a conflict avoider, and not rock the boater, (laughs) you know, we really believe that the goal of relating, any kind of relating, whether it's intimate partnership or relating to my mother, you know, we think that the goal of relating is harmony at all cost. But harmony at all cost comes at a really high cost. And when we're avoiding that external conflict or we're doing something to not appear a certain way, or we're managing the perception of someone else, how they would see us, it's actually causing a lot of internal chaos and conflict. Yeah. And I've actually found it really empowering as it's like, I don't know why that ensuring thing is actually really landing for me. So I'm, I'm going to keep going back to that, but like, yeah, I like, I like, like the, more I, the more I like protect the way I want to feel, the more I am in tune to the things that aren't allowing me to feel that way. And mm-hmm. that includes holding on to resentment. That's right. That includes holding on to guilt or shame, or that includes holding on to grudges. And so then it creates a really healthy practice of not just loving and healing, but also letting go of things that aren't mine to bear, which... Well, I mean, and that's a whole other way that that we can bring the boundary conversation in because first of all, say resentment is the number one telltale sign that a boundary needs to be put into place. Mm. So when our resentment's rising, the instinct and the impulse is to point a finger at someone outside of us to blame someone else or to feel like a victim of someone else. You know, we get resentful, but really the resentment is at the heart. The resentment is at the fact that we stepped over the line. We stepped over our own line and allowed something or enabled something. And when we are so other-focused or other-referenced or carrying things that we don't need to be carrying, it's often because we've crossed that threshold from my territory into someone else's. And I want to get over there and start managing their experience, taking more responsibility than is mine. What is the role that expectations play inside of all of this? Like if you expect something of someone else, because I think resentments at least in my life, previous resentments have been born from having expectations that aren't met. And so like, is there a way to even like backtrack and get rid of resentments by changing our relationship with expectations? I definitely think so. I mean, I think an expectation is, it's more often that our, you know, that having an expectation that someone is going to show up a certain way or do something a certain way, we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. Right. Because we don't have any control over what someone else does or doesn't do. And boundaries are not about someone else changing or someone else's behavior changing. So it's almost like if you want to ensure you feel a certain way, and if that's the real role that you're optimizing your life for, then relinquishing expectations is a part of the things you let go. Like that's one of the things that are just like letting go and and then you replace expectations with maybe agreements or possibility. Or even, you know, a direct request. Mm. What happens a lot is we expect people in our lives to be mind readers. Yes. And so we have an expectation that goes unmet and then it leads us into this cycle because someone didn't show up for us in a way we wanted and we never made the request. I feel like being honest with ourselves is like the holy grail of all of the, I mean, like if we're just honest with ourselves and then we communicate what's important to us with others in a very direct way, like it kind of changes this whole thing and it makes it all flow. That's exactly it. You know, the truth telling is where it begins and it has to begin here first. I have to be willing to admit to myself what I know to be true before I can be willing to share my truth with someone safe. And I, you know, have to be willing to recognize that when I, you know, when we don't tell the truth to ourselves, we create chaos and the truth will come out sideways. And the truth, you know, the truth coming out sideways is what tends to be the poison in relationship. Yeah. It's, it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. 
Because, you know, authentic truth is actually the kindest thing you can deliver someone. So that being said, which is incredibly powerfully true, that being said, most people also have a relationship to boundaries where they think it means, well, then I'm, then I'm being a bitch or I'm being cruel. You know, if I set my boundary with someone, I'm being mean. And the truth is, no, I'm actually being very full of grace by mm-hmm. letting someone know what's okay for me and what's not okay for me. I'm giving them a piece of my puzzle. I'm giving them a page of my operating manual. I love the, it's, it's so empowering. Like, and it's easier when you're honest, like, cause then you don't have to. Everything's easier when you're honest. <laughs> Everything's easier so when you're much honest. much easier. I mean, it's so counterintuitive, <laughs> but cause we spend so much time and energy, you know, crafting a persona and crafting a story and crafting a bait and switch. You know, we spend so much energy that can be better put to use for something else. And really telling the truth, as counterintuitive as it seems, is so much easier and takes so much less energy. Yeah, uh, the energy for sure. Because it's just Mm -hmm. like, you're you're not, you're a conduit, right? Like if anything's flowing, you're just allowing the flow to happen. Now there's an eloquent way to to communicate. And I want to encourage everyone listening that you can get better at communicating your needs. Absolutely. Right. Like that's a practice and a skill that, that, that can be developed, but that doesn't stop the truth from being your brush of freedom. Your it's like, it's the thing. And being honest with yourself is probably the hardest place to start. I would, I would say that before you can be honest with other people, if you haven't practiced being honest with yourself, it can be really challenging. Yeah. And that's why, you know, even before we can, we can know what our boundaries are. We have to yeah. first locate ourselves. So through some kind of self-connecting practice, whether it's meditation or journaling or a walk or a bath, you know, whatever it might be, dancing, some way that we can actually self-connect to actually see what do I want? What do I think? What do I need? Because nine times out of 10, left to our own devices, most of us will go automatically to what do they need? What do they think? What do they want? How do they feel? you know, the codependency of let me check someone else's weather before I know my own. And then in the endless loop of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay, which takes us out of the present moment and completely out of any authenticity. So it does really originate in the root of checking, of knowing what's happening here. And anything we can do on a daily basis or throughout the day to bring ourselves back to What's actually happening for me? What do I think? What do I want? What do I need? How do I feel? The more we can become comfortable with that element of knowing, then we're going to be able to tell the truth more easily. We're going to know where, what our limits are, and we're going to actually want to honor ourselves. We're going to want to show up to honor ourselves. Why do you think we're worth putting first? Hmm. <laughs> so I'm here. I'm here on the planet. I believe I'm here to experience as much as I'm able to experience in terms of love and generosity and receiving and learning and teaching, you know, the reciprocity, the cycle. And so what I notice is that when we feel unworthy of having, we are short-circuiting the cycle because we're not allowing ourselves to receive. We're only in the over-giving. So I, I believe that we're worthy of putting ourselves first so that we can actually, it's the completion. I mean, it's the completion, but then it's the, it's the never-ending of the cycle. But it's the other side of the cycle that most people don't show up for. We just want to give and we think that that's where the value is or that's the altruistic way to be. But we, I do believe that, that the receiving, it's the other side of the whole. It's the other part of the whole. It's fun to think about because even if you think about like, like I love to use this analogy, like one of my mentors, he taught me, I used to not be very good at receiving from my friends. And 
just not, I was not about it. And um, I remember one of my mentors, he brought this up. He's like, Raj, how, do, how good do you feel when you help people? And I said, I feel great. And he's like, well, you're stopping all of these friends of yours from feeling that great by not receiving. And so I've, I've sort of now really been practicing the act of gracious receiving. So like, it's been a new thing I've actually been trying out like last week and a half, but it's been more like anytime I receive or become aware of anything, I take a little pause and I just sort of, it's like a little thank you. It could be like, it could be in nature, sitting at a park. I could see like a little tree just being there and I could just thank it for being there. Or it could be, I don't know, I'm having a bad day and like, I just think about somebody and then I thank them for showing up in my head. It's been like a, a nice little practice for me. And it, and it goes back to what you started the conversation on. Like when you can't feel love for yourself, you can, you can tap into someone else. Think about the love you have for them and the mm-hmm. thank you you give for them to then feel back into that love for yourself. And that goes back to the rest, rest can't say that word right now. Reciprocity. <laughs> reciprocity. Yeah. Like, is that how you say it? it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. You go back into the cycle of getting in receiving and it's as easy as just feeling into the love you give someone else and allowing that yeah. to fill you back up. It's all the same. It is. And also just, you know, also being able to recognize, you know, for so long, I personally certainly identify with being an overgiver and, and denied myself the receiving and the having. Then if I go deeper and look at what am I making this mean about me, it's like, okay, then I don't, if I don't receive, I don't have to be dependent or I don't mm. have to be, I'm not, you know, I, I can deny needy or I can, you know, what are the parts of me that I'm denying? You're keeping yourself safe. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And so talk to me about safety. Because I think safety is a really interesting concept that I don't know if it's it's keeping us as safe as we'd like to be. I think my safety mechanisms have have, have hurt me a little more than kept me safe. You know, um, it's interesting that you say that. So I've thought a lot about this. I, I mean, I've thought about like our relationship to safety and security, which are different, but they are often they're often sort of somewhere in the same, you know, they're sisters. They're somewhere in the same neighborhood. Our our crocodile brain sort of puts them all together in one big little ball. Right. And I've come to actually understand that I don't really believe in security, but I still believe in safety. I still believe in the way in which we can be discerning, in which we can make choices. So I think safety is accessible to us but I think it's actually based on the way that we, that we are willing to show up. And we can also only create a certain amount of safety as it involves someone else, because we don't have control around another person. It's almost like you're just, you're, you're, you're using safety as a, as a mirror for how willing you are to be seen. It's like, I love that. And I agree with you. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I felt from the way you're saying. It's like the more I'm willing to be seen whether it's seen failing, seen making a mistake, seen the more I'm willing to... Yeah, the more I'm not hiding out, the less I'm hiding. I do think that it's more like that safety in plain sight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The more I'm hiding, the less I'm hiding out. And also, the more I trust myself, I think trust comes in here too. Mm-hmm. So the more I trust myself, the safer I'm going to feel to be seen in my fullness. What? builds that trust in self? Hmm. So for me, what I would say, what builds the trust in myself is, is again, the coming back here and checking in with me first instead of checking in with someone else. So taking the attention off of someone else, really releasing the, what will, the whole what will other people think or what do other people need me to be? How do I think I need to show up for others? Really remembering that, that my responsibility is to tell the truth. My responsibility is not to manage someone else's response to my truth. Mm. And that's what also keeps me grounded in, what, in the way I can stay trusting myself. Am I in right alignment? Am I in integrity? Am I in right relationship with myself? That's trust. You know, to me, that's, that's where the trust comes in. 
you know, am I, am I saying one thing and doing something else, <laughs> you know, or am I, am I in right alignment with me? Mm. Oh man. Honesty has such a multifaceted sort of gift, right? Like it's not just a gift you give others. That's the sort of the, that's the icing on the cake, but the real gift is being able to create a safe space within yourself to not feel like you need to hide. And listen, we only know what we know at the moment that we know it, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it's also really important to feel a lot of compassion and a lot of forgiveness for the parts of ourselves who at whatever point in time couldn't show up with that level of trust or truth or honesty. And that's been a huge part of my own healing. It's like a radical acceptance. You know, I, I've realized that, you know, the insight, the level of clarity, the spiritual maturity I might feel now wouldn't be possible until unless I had the the spectrum, right? The duality of it all. Like I may feel so grounded in this moment, but gosh, like to think that the last four to 10, whatever years of my life and all the mistakes that I've made and the people that I've hurt and the shortcomings that I couldn't live up to, Mm -hmm. like to think that each of my own experiences with those events haven't led to a multifaceted, rich, delicious sort of understanding of this present moment and the gifts I'm able to give now as a result, like it's too perfect. (laughs) And it's taken me a long time to get to a point where I can truly feel gratitude for a younger Raj and all of his craziness, but you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's all by design and for us to wish it were any other way is would be for us to actually wish that we were a different way in this moment, which is not loving ourselves. Amen. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I agree. I really do. It's talked about in a cliche way often of, you know, our greatest crisis becomes our greatest opportunity and all that. Yeah. But I do actually think it's true. <laughs> there wouldn't and be a cliche if it, it wasn't showing up. It wasn't true, exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, everything up until now, like we are the culmination right now. You know, I'm the culmination of every choice I've made, every decision, every action, every choice I didn't make. I'm, you know, I'm the culmination of all of that right now. And isn't that a beautiful thing? It is. I think it is a beautiful thing. And I can look back at the most painful parts of my life and feel the deepest gratitude because I can guarantee you I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you in this moment had they not happened. Mm, so uh... I do have the gratitude and the compassion for each, you know, each version of me along the way. I also know that you know, so I always say our present moment choice predicts our future. So our present moment choice is the crystal ball. We all want to go to psychics and find out, you know, what's the future hold? If you want to know what the future holds, it is the, it's the culmination of the choices you're making now. Mm. That's what's bringing the future to you. So we have so much empowerment that we're, we don't even tap into. Because we actually can really look at, you know, what are the conscious choices I can make right now so that the future I most desire is what arrives. And I would argue that, you know, desire is one of those moment to moment future tellers. Like it's a fortune teller. Like, and when I, I've been really kind of getting clear on, you know, what is the definition of a need? What is the definition of a want? And what is the definition Mm -hmm. of desire? Because I think that, Mm They're very different needs are like the things you need to stay healthy, to be, you know, all that stuff. And then your wants, your aspirations and all that. But desire for me is that feeling that you get when you acknowledge on one end that you are exactly where you need to be. And on the other end, you acknowledge that there is a mystery unfolding in every moment. And when you lean into the juiciness of that present moment and you feel into that desire, the voice you hear is the fortune teller. Yes. The yes. voice you hear Absolutely. Is, is actually that evolution. It's, it's nature speaking through you. It's intuition giving you that clue, that nudge to just trust. And 
I think if we lived more in those moments and if we kept, if we just keep trusting those moments and the wisdom in those moments, it doesn't matter what experience you go down. You could go down a destructive path. You could yeah. go down a deliciously joyful path, but the spectrum of both of those are going to create the most authentic you you can be. And there's something so freeing and beautiful yeah. about just recognizing the true authenticity in every single life's journey. It's true. Mm. It's really true. Yeah. Oh, I could talk about this for hours <laughs> with you. Because um, it's, it's one of those just... And we get, I get so caught up in the future and I've also been known to get really caught up in the past. And I think all of my lack of self-love really happens in either anxiety of something that hasn't happened yet. And it's like, I'm not preparing or I'm not doing good enough or I should be doing more or it's like the regret or resentment or just something I'm holding onto from the past. And it's, it's those two places, the future and the past, when they show right. up in the present moment, that's what creates all that turmoil. But when we surrender to the present moment, you're right. It all just goes away. Yeah. Then we're out of worry. We're out of regret. We're just here and it's fresh and we don't have to even map it onto something else. It can just be what it is right now. Do boundaries even need to exist in the present moment? <laughs> I honestly believe that once we have the clarity of what we want, what we desire, what feels important to us, what feels meaningful, boundaries just become second nature. It's not even that they disappear. Mm. It's just that we're, we're living in such a way that we're honoring ourselves. So if, if that becomes the practice of what's the most self-loving action I can take today, What's the most self-honoring choice I can make today? So that, mm. you know, we're really here in that, inside of that, then it's not so much about having to be constantly setting boundaries. Yeah, because you, you, you've integrated your life right. to be something that honors you first. And that's like right. the North Star. And when that's the North Star, then you don't need boundaries. You can just stay present right. and allow that intuitive voice to then guide you. What else do you optimize your life for? What else do I optimize my life for? Wow. Such an interesting question. The first thing that comes to me really is, is, a, is something about being a conduit, you know, something about being like a clean, clear vessel so that, you know, what I was saying before, so that, you know, love can flow, desire can flow, learning, teaching. I'm much more driven by meaning and by connection than I am happiness. So for me, it's more about, you know, my relationships, my family, my friends, my students, my clients, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the relationships and how, how do I bring my best? You know, I want to be optimized to bring my best, not, let me say it the other way, optimized to bring my best so that I'm being of service from, from a place of feeling full. I love the word conduit because that insinuates that, you know, our bodies aren't necessarily holding on to love. They're just, just flowing through us. Yeah. And it's sourced from all these different things around us. Yeah. Bodies are just the vessel that. Bodies are just the vessel. The energy, the love <laughs> we feel, the emotions are something else. What is that something else? That's such a, that's, you know, isn't that the question? The question, yeah. <laughs> I don't have, I, the jury's out. Is My jury is out. Is that the soul? I suppose it's the soul, the soul or source or. Love, consciousness, all of it. Yeah. You know, I can mm. go there much easier. You know, it's really funny. I'm Jewish and I was bat mitzvah when I was 13, but I remember telling my parents, you know, I don't know if I, if it's okay for me to get bat mitzvah because I don't know if I believe in God. Mm. And, and, you know, I sat down as like a 12 year old girl talking to the rabbi about, you know, I just don't know what I believe. Is that okay that I don't know? (laughs) You know? Mm. And so I think my jury is still out on what I, and what I, what I believe in and what I don't believe in. I mean, I believe it's, I believe in something. I believe in something. I just don't believe in magic. 
You 100% believe in magic. I feel that I in you in from the second we met. I like, believe in magic. Yeah, magic is that delicious feeling. And so let's just yeah. coin it all into one word and call it magic and just keep going because we're not a bunch of muggles. And uh, it's just great. No, I. it's something that I've been really leaning into a lot of because the more I get to know myself, the more I forgive myself, the more I yeah. heal myself, the more I clear out whatever... Raj, this body is of all the things that cause pain or discomfort or friction. It just feels like I can connect more with everything and everyone and all the beauty around me. Yeah, which is wonderful because we are really ultimately our own greatest obstacle. We are creating, we are our own prison guard. We're creating our own struggle. We're creating our own dissatisfaction most of the time. And the whole thing of, you know, wanting or wishing anything to be any other way is what even creates ultimately more struggle. Mm. And so if we can just really move into the acceptance of what is as it is, you know, we're not in the struggle. No struggle bus for us. No struggle bus for us. None. No. Oh, no. This is, I, you're delightful. You are too. (laughs) I I love talking to you. This has been great. You are too. Uh, one, I appreciate the pace of the conversation. Like, just really appreciate like just how thoughtful and how you took pauses and you honored yourself. It like started off on this idea of starting slow, and throughout the entire conversation, I just felt that choice that you recommitted to consistently to pause, slow down, and and feel into the answer. And I just really appreciate that a lot. Thank you. It's the uh... So I have a master's in poetry. I think it's the poet in me that is very comfortable with the pause. You know, even if I'm speaking to a thousands to thousands of people on the stage, I will pause. And I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of it. I think it's actually like it's, you know, something it just allows the opportunity for something else to come in that wasn't there before. Magic. Let magic do its job in the pause. Um <laughs> Nancy, uh, can you just talk a little bit about all the things you're excited about right now and all the things <laughs> you're working on and just just fill people in on like just where you are in the world, all the good stuff. All, of all it. the good stuff. You're so sweet. I feel I'm in a really good re-energized place as I was telling you before we went live because I just actually went on a little road trip and it really re-infused me with some you know, I think I needed a change of scenery. So I feel mm-hmm. like I got a little bit of, I, got, I feel more resourced than I have felt in a while. And part of that is because the timing obviously has been crazy. But last fall, I launched my first Love and Life Coach Academy certification and training. I launched my program and I have my first cohort right now. And so we've been in the pandemic going through this really intensive training. And it's everything. I mean, it's invigorating and it's, you know, it, it's grueling and it's, um, you know, it's everything. It's, it's fabulous. And so it's gotten me really stoked to launch the second cohort in the fall. And so I've been, I feel, I feel excited because I'm like really re-energized and reinvigorated on going, diving back into the curriculum and, and getting back in and feeling really creative about it. So that's super fun. And giving myself time, you know, really creating, making it so that I am being really intentional and conscientious about my time, which is something I, I generally am, but I've gotten even more concentrated around what time and energy of mine am I willing to be available for others and what do I need to hold for me? And so, so that I do get to do the things that that have me feel most me. <laughs> I could say it that way. So that the meanness doesn't sort of fall to the back because I'm, I'm too much in the grind. No. And I think when you acknowledge and pay attention to the meanness, the grind ends up feeling less like a grind, but yeah. you end up moving a lot faster too. Totally. Like, I, it's flow. It goes from yeah, this hustle flow. grind exactly. to flow. Yeah. The river is constantly... And beautiful state of flux. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, 
anybody listening who wants to hang out with Nancy or <laughs> do any of this, uh, we'll make all this available in the show notes. Nancy, I have one last question for you. Um, in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Three things. I go to sleep at night with my phone in airplane mode. And when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is go sit on my meditation cushion. Then I journal. And then I put the Wi-Fi back on. Mm. So I have like a really beautiful cocoon of sleep and waking without the world interfering with me. Oh, you. And this, I've been doing this for nearly five years, this, ex, like this exact pattern. <laughs> and, and it's, it's a non-negotiable for me. I can tell you two times I didn't have my phone in airplane mode when I went to sleep because I was waiting to hear about someone who, someone dying. But other than that, I mean, my parents know, and you know, my sister, like everyone knows that they're, that they're not going to hear from me until my Wi-Fi is back on in the morning if they text me in the middle of the night. Mm. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for choosing you because choosing you has turned you into this wonderful human being that I just had such a pleasure chatting with. And I'm so grateful for the time we had together. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Uh, I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Nancy. And from us, Stay <laughs> <Bye>. Grounded. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.